Mark Critch is a well-known name and face to Canadian audiences, where he has been a mainstay of its long-running comedy series, This Hour Has 22 Minutes. The native of St. John's, Newfoundland, is the author of a memoir, Son of a Critch, that has been adapted into a series of the same name now going into its third season on the CBC. That series is a 1980s coming-of-age story of Critch's family, and in it, he plays his father, Mike. Son of a Critch has just been picked up by the CW, where it's hoping to find the same kind of breakaway success that another Canadian series, Schitt's Creek, found when it made its way across the border. I'm Michael Depp, editor of TV News Check, and this is Talking TV. Coming up, a conversation with Mark Critch about Son of a Critch. We'll be right back. The Talking TV podcast is brought to you by Futuri, which helps broadcasters create the future with cutting edge technology. Their post-podcasting system is designed to help your newscast tap into the growing podcast space. Use Post to automatically turn your newscast into a podcast and distribute it to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more, all within minutes of airing live. Learn more about Post at futurimedia.com slash post for TV. Welcome, Mark Rich, to Talking TV. My great pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So, Mark, your show is Son of a Critch. It's following on the heels of Schitt's Creek, an enormous success in the U.S. Why are you Canadians always trying to swear in your show titles without technically swearing? <laughs> well, you know, uh, this one uh, was a little different in that this was the title of a book first. And um, I, uh, I, I never expected that this would be a television thing. You know, I, I'm known in Canada for TV. So I thought I was branching out and doing something different by writing a book, which has now become more TV. So uh, yeah, it, do, it does seem like we're making swears, but cute Canadian polite swears, you know, right. pun things that aren't that offensive. Yeah. Very, very polite. So you are a native of St. John's, Newfoundland, one of the harder to reach corners of Canada and occupying its own extremely bizarre time zone that is one and a half hours ahead of Eastern time, for those who are unfamiliar with that fact or that zone. Um, it would seem that the, the half hour difference makes for kind of lifelong off-kilteredness for Newfoundlanders. Do you find that to be the case? It is a little different. Newfoundlanders love their unique things. Like, you know, we used to be our own country until 1949, had our own passports and our own money and things like that. And we're known for icebergs and whales and being out in the Atlantic away, you know, separate from the, the rest of Canada. So we have an outside looking in kind of an attitude, which kind of makes for good comedy, I think. Yeah, yeah. And and now Son of a Critch is an autobiographical show of your 1980s childhood there. What were the 80s like in Newfoundland? The 80s in Newfoundland were kind of like the 60s everywhere else, I think. We were, uh, you know, a lot of Catholic and Protestant type stuff going on. It was a, uh, the, the, our, we're based on the fishery, uh, big cod fishery here. Now it's all oil, but back then, uh, primarily it was, it was the fishery, which collapsed in 1992. So economically, things weren't that great at this time when I was growing up. Uh, but we always got through hard times with humor. I guess it's kind of the a lot of Irish people there, Irish and, and, and the English uh, settled it. So a lot of dark humor, 
uh, a lot of storytelling, uh, big long winters. So there's a lot of people perform music. A lot of people are funny. A lot of comedians have come up here. So uh, that's one way we, we dealt with that, I think. And that's inbred, the, the, the ability to make people laugh and to keep each other laughing. Um, so uh, I think that's a lot where the, a lot of the story comes from. And I suppose winter cannot be overstated, the enormity, the length, the darkness of that in Newfoundland, can it? Absolutely not. You know, uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, like I say, we're out in the middle of the Atlantic and um, it's a place where a lot of people live in isolated communities and stuff like that. So the only way to get together uh, and get through all that sometimes is through community, helping your neighbors. And I think Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are known for being very friendly people. There's a Broadway musical come from away about how uh, Newfoundlanders welcomed the world during 9-11. Uh, so that's looking out for each other, which is a big sense, there's uh, a lot of sense of family here, which I think comes through uh, in the show. I wanna come back to the place in a second, but first to the time. There seems to be this enduring TV pop culture interest in the 80s. Probably the, the biggest recent example of that being Stranger Things. I mean, I grew up then myself, so I have my own biases, but, but what is it, do you think about that decade that keeps the pop culture hunger for it carrying on as strongly as it does? Well, I think there's an explosion of pop culture then too, where maybe it was okay to like some cheesy things at that time. And, you know, the 80s and uh, Reagan and must-see TV and Rubik's Cubes. And it was like big neon there in your face. And, every, and you know, it was consuming things was big, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, But I think everybody has nostalgia for whatever time they grew up in. And it, I think our show... You know, some might think it's like an, oh, it's an 80s set show. But for me, when I was a kid watching The Wonder Years, um, it was set in the 60s. And I appreciated that. But I was the same age that Fred Savage's character was uh, in the show. So for me, I was watching kids my age fall in love, get bullied, uh, be anxious about going to a party and, and their beer might be there and all this stuff. So it was all those things. I think you can watch it for nostalgia people our age, but you can also uh, watch it younger people. I thought we find are watching it for the storylines about the young people. And so we get the great thing with our show is we're, we're lucky in that we get a lot of multi-generational watches. We get people, families watching it at the time that it airs old school. And the story I keep hearing is that uh, kids, when it first came on, were saying to the parents, I like this. Hey, uh, click play next. Like, let's watch the next one. They said, you can't. It, it's coming out in a week. And they're like, no, mom, you're such an idiot. You just click play next. And so they were having these arguments in their first time kind of analog watching together as a family in a long time. I'm glad you brought up the Wonder Years because it does seem to be watching it that there are resonances of that show. I also felt like a little Gene Shepard, a Christmas story in there too. Christmas right? story, big time. I mean, that was such, when I remember seeing that as a kid and it was like a light bulb went on in my head, you know, like the way of, and that same thing about talking about another time, which was my parents' time in a lot of ways. Um, and yet you can relate to the characters in it because every generation goes through these same things, this same, you know, quest to become somebody, and you had to go through all these trials. So I related to that the same way I relate to the Wonder Years. And I think when I was in the 80s watching the Wonder Years, the 80s are now farther away than the Wonder Years were to me in the 80s, if that makes sense, you know, it's even farther back in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So the show is actually shot in Newfoundland, 
was was that hard to put together? Was was there a TV and film industry in place to support you, or did you have to kind of help build it? When I was a kid, I wanted to become an actor and a comedian because of a locally shot TV show called The Wonderful Grand Band, which combined music and comedy. And um, yeah, there's always been a, a good, you know, there's always been performers here, but the TV industry really grew here. Um, there've been lots of Canadian TV shows like, you know, Republic of Doyle and, uh, was a big show from here um, uh, being shot here. But more and more films are coming. Ben Stiller was just here. Uh, shooting a feature um peter pan and wendy shot here recently people may know the the film with uh, dame judy dench the shipping news shot here i was in a movie here with brendan gleason recently uh not that long ago called uh, the grand seduction and so that. yeah there's always a big film industry here for the size of the place and newfoundlanders i think we have a way of uh hitting above our weight things like that so yeah it's very easy if you if you say were a, a grip or a lighting person and you wanted to work here in newfoundland and labrador you easily could have had a career working every day for the last 30 years and or so, so the last 10 years or 15 or 20 years but definitely for the last 30 and you just walked down the road to to shoot from your house yeah like when i was a kid everybody told me you have to go away you had to go to the states you had to go wherever to become an actor and now i i leave my house and i'm on set of our, our school set uh which is an actual school in uh, i would say a five minute walk from my door which is something i never thought could happen it wasn't possible really when i was when i was the young mark you see on tv now so all this all my life i was looking at that tv screen you see in the show and dreaming about being on tv and now uh, I've remade that house to be on TV right where I live. So it's quite unique. So quite a few meta experiences, it seems, in this. You you have rebuilt your childhood home on a soundstage there, haven't you? Yeah. And yeah, with a lot of things from my childhood home. Okay. So our house has been, hasn't been there since like 1994, something like that's been gone. So I sketched it out, show them a lot of photos, things like that. And I had a lot of furniture from my parents' house kind of in, in my basement, some of it. So uh, if you're watching the show, uh, the dining room uh, furniture is the stuff from my parents' house. The pictures around it from my family home. The, the layout is exactly the same. And um, even the radio that my family listens to in the kitchen is the radio that I listened to as a kid that my father, who was on the radio as a newsman, I'd listen to him every morning on that same radio. So sometimes I play my father in the show. So sometimes I'm wearing like uh, his red blazer, which was the color of his of, of the news station with a crest, sitting at the table, looking at the, the radio that he used to be on when I was a kid. And in the corner of my eye is our dining room furniture. And I'll sit and I'll think, what have you done, you madman? Surely therapy would have been cheaper than all of this. But it's it's really quite, it can be melancholy at times because my parents are no longer with us. But then I'll hear Benjamin laughing, the kid who plays me with Malcolm McDowell. And they're teasing each other. And the house is kind of there again and filled with laughter again. And this kind of new family has formed and, and these new connections are there. So it's it's the, the any kind of sad feelings are gone in a minute. It sounds like a healthier kind of... Uh... Uh, rebuilding of your childhood from like Nathan Fielder's uh, The Rehearsal on HBO is the dark, twisted version of that. You've got sort of a more mentally balanced version, it sounds well, like. Well, funny, Nathan's a really good friend of mine. Like we worked together on uh, the show 22 Minutes in Canada for years. And uh, yeah, we are kind of doing things, the same thing, but in a sweeter way. I'd never thought of that before. That's a great point. Uh, but yeah, because this way you can 
sometimes, you know, the skeleton, the spine of every story is true. A lot of it comes from my, my real life experiences. A lot of the stuff is in the book. And, but you can err on the side of kindness and sweetness and maybe turn something ever so slightly differently the way you wish it had gone. And, and that's a real little, nice little gift to give yourself in a way sometimes, you know, to, to make things this time around work out a little better for everybody. It, it's quite nice. And you play your own father, as you've mentioned yeah. in the show. What is that experience like? Well, it's interesting because, you know, you, you, you grow up kind of uh, making fun of your dad or maybe one of the first roles anybody ever plays is their parents kind of imitating them as a kid. And for me, I had, you know, written stories about him in the book and I'd always done, my dad was very well known in, in, in Newfoundland because he was a, a, a radio news guy. and Everybody in town did an impression of my father because he's really distinct Newfoundland voice. And, but playing him is even different than writing him because it really forces you to look at everything through his eyes, through his perspective, through his point of view and sympathize with him a lot more than you may have done. And it certainly has drawn me closer to him, I think, than I'd ever been, because um, you really start to realize, oh, you know what, I, I see why he was like that now. Or, oh, I can understand mom and dad's relationship a bit better this way. And, and well, that makes sense to me now a bit more. And it causes you to reflect on him a, a lot more. And, and, and I, I think, uh, you know, we all have issues with our parents or whatever, but uh, certainly, I think the more I thought about them, the more I reflected on everything like that. Uh, you, you certainly uh, appreciate them more and uh, sympathize with them more and are certainly more thankful for everything they did. And your granddad on the show is played by yeah. Malcolm McDowell. Are you sneaking in any Clockwork Orange references? I was very tempted um, to like put a Clockwork Orange poster in my older brother's bedroom. But then I thought, you know what, I will take you right out of it, you know. And at one time, we we're going to have Malcolm singing in the rain was going to play or something. And, I, and then we thought, last Malcolm's like, oh, like in the movie. I was like, oh, right. No, you have an iconic singing in the rain scene. We can't use that because it will pull people out of it. And uh, that's the thing, you know, Malcolm is such an icon and, and looks so scary. And it's done so many scary roles. But he is a sweet, sentimental, loving kind wonderful man a real pussycat of a guy now oh, he's still got that twinkle in that eye a bit of wickedness but uh i thought pop would be you know harder and and and, and crankier and whatnot and he immediately started playing a more fun loving and, and sweeter and which more of a twinkle which is something i didn't expect which was exactly the right thing to do that's great so you're pretty well entrenched with canadian audiences on cbc you're going into your third season uh where this show has been among the country's top five comedies. You've been a longstanding cast member of the very popular This Hour Has 22 Minutes. So now you're going to be on the schedule of a very overhauled CW network in the US. What are your feelings about introducing yourself to US audiences? Well, I think you just had to, you know, kind of double down on the authenticity and specificity of the place, you know, whether it's Dairy Girls or Fargo or what have you. I, I think American audiences will embrace things that are um, uh, from a different place and a different story. And, and, you know, that's what people I think are looking for these days. But the thing is with Newfoundland, it's different, it's odd, it's unique. But, you know, if you're from Boston or someplace, you know, it, you're looking at that, there's, there's a lot of similarities, you know? And uh, um, I think there's lots of people in America will be able to see, you know, their own kind of working class family 
in it. And I think every, everybody's felt like an outsider and everybody's kind of, even the more popular kids in school probably at times feel like an outsider, you know, like they're living up to something that they're not really are. So I, I think there's lots of room there for people to, uh, even though it's in an odd place in the middle of the Atlantic with a different time zone, they can look and and I think see that there's far more similarities uh, than there were differences. Because the way we grew up, you know, watching the Wonder Years, that happened in the States in a different time, but I connected with the people and I really hope that people will uh, uh, see a bit of themselves in Son of a Critch. Well, it's interesting that you're sort of burrowing into the specificity of the place because Schitt's Creek on the other side, you know, didn't need to be Canadian necessarily. You might, you know, be for forgiven for not knowing that it was Canadian per se. Um, and and so this show is so, so much about its place and time uh, specifically. Do you have um, any any ideal number of seasons you're looking for with Son of a Critch? Well, we're at three now. I think six would definitely wrap it up quite nicely, you know, because each year we're doing a different grade. So we started in grade seven. This year is grade nine. Next year we go to high school in, in, uh, in, in, in Canada. Americans will be starting soon on season one. But um, I would like to see him graduate high school and uh, and then, you know, Audio spoiler alert, I live. So, <laughs> I mean, there's lots of adventures yet to come. Uh, right. Benjamin Evan Ainsworth plays me, and he's an incredible uh, young lad and very, very gifted. Uh, he was the voice of uh, Pinocchio with Tom Hanks in the Disney recent uh, 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 version of, of Pinocchio they did, as well as shooting a film now with Brian Cranston. He's a busy young man. Uh, but he seems quite content uh, here and enjoying his summers in, in Newfoundland. So we'll hang on to him as long as we can. Right, right. And so do you have kind of a bookend event like Dairy Girls, for instance, was always kind of moving toward the, the Good Friday Peace Accord. Um, is there a, a singular event that you have in mind to kind of that's the point at which it ends? Not a historical one. Uh, I have a personal one, definitely. I know how I want it to end. But uh, we will have to wait and see. But not necessarily a historical one. We, we have a great fun I mean, really, with that, too, though, timeline, it would match up with the Cod Moratorium in Newfoundland and Labrador, which was the closure of the fishery. Right. So right. that exactly. would probably be a, a, our version of uh, uh, of that. It was, you know, cultural. Oh, a dark note on which to end a very light show. Well, that was I'm not a fisherman, though. So it was yeah. bad. Nobody in our family fishes. So but but the uh, well, in a way, my grandfather, my great grandfather was a fisherman. All the Christians were fishermen up until the character of, of Pop that you see in the show. So in a way, it is sort of the, the new Newfoundland. The future of the place is, is diversifying and, you know, taking a chance to follow your dreams. Growing up, I mean, my grand great grandfather was a fisherman who drowned. And for him. Uh, in Newfoundland Labrador at the time, the idea that you could follow your dreams, it, it didn't exist. I mean, you had to eke out an existence. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty neat that I'm able to do this thing and tell his story and their stories uh, to a whole new country. Uh, you know, it's so they're, uh, uh, they fish for fish, I'm fishing for lads. Well, Son of a Critch is a very charming show. It's a very lovely show, and I mean that in the best way. Uh, coming soon to the U.S. in July, coming to TV screens on the CW, Mark Critch, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. A real joy. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. You can watch and listen to past episodes of Talking TV, no matter what time zone you're in, at tvnewscheck.com, on our YouTube channel, along with an audio version on all the major podcast platforms. We're out most Fridays with a new episode. Thanks for joining on this one, and see you next time. A new episode of Talking TV is available most Fridays on tvnewscheck.com. 
You can also listen and subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. <laughs>